This show has explicit language and mature themes. Hey, will you give us that lick? Explanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I looked some stuff up on Wikipedia, checked core about it, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondale. Hey, how are you, David? I'm doing well. Thanks, Dex. Yeah. How you doing? Super well. Second episode of the of the d- recorded in the day. Yeah, that's true. This is a formality at this point. Yeah. We both know that we're doing all right because yep. we already said this. Exactly. Uh, what are we going to learn about? We're going to do distinctions between things too. Okay, cool. Installment two. Yeah, installment two. Mortar and pestle. Pestle. <laughs> that was the first of last week's episode. Uh, not last week's, last time's episode. But this week we're going to start with empathy, sympathy, and compassion. Oh, yeah. I see. I hear people mix up sympathy and empathy quite a bit, mm, which so, is understandable. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. A lot of the stuff I just didn't know. Empathy is an ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and feel what they're feeling. So it's like to literally attempt to feel how somebody else's feels. Right. When I'm talking yeah. about them too, I honestly you typically combine combine the two. Like if I'm talking about like empathizing with somebody, I'll often be like, "Yeah, I I can empathize and sympathize with that person." Yeah, exactly. You're ch- attempting to do both. Yep. Sympathy, on the other hand, is the reaction of sorrow and care for the distress of another person or animal. Right. It's like when somebody gets hurt, like or like emotionally you or physically, you actually them. feel yeah. sorry for them. Yeah. Or like yeah, exactly. Um, compassion is being affected by the suffering and feeling the need to comfort the suffering person and working to alleviate said suffering. Gotcha. So, okay. So, like, compassion, as Gail Tate on Cora said, is related to positive feelings. Okay, actually trying to alleviate someone's suffering. Yeah, yeah. Not just feeling bad for them, but actively uh, alleviating And having it. that in your, in, the, in your mind right. as you're going about dealing with the suffering of another person. Um... <laughs> Another what one of my neighbors. What the fuck is going on here? That one actually today. particularly bothers me because he'll just like rev his engine late at night and he only ever drives that car late at night. Oh my God. All right. Uh, let's talk about four types of dessert or desert. Ooh, okay. All right. So the first, the first installment of desert or dessert is becoming worthy of recompense, either punishment or reward. So like, Oh, like you're just desserts. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah. He got his just desserts. Or I just want my I want my just desserts. Right, like seems kind of, like desserts are always just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Nobody ever wants their unjust desserts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or at least they nobody, don't paint it that way. Nobody even wants to give away unjust desserts. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. at least they don't express that they do. It kind of seems like that one's somewhat tied into the etymological, like etymologically tied into deserving, like deserve. Yeah, I think dessert. so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The next one is a place with very little water. And the ecology of said place. Yep. Okay. So I got stuck and almost died in the desert. <laughs> Hopefully we're all pretty <laughs> familiar with that one. Yeah. I grew up in the desert, kind of. You grew up in a place that tried to name itself Deseret, right? Yeah, <laughs> they did. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't. 
anyway. Yeah, how'd they settle on Utah? As a quick aside, how did the Mormons settle on Utah? I think name? it was probably something to do with the Congress at the time. And uh, the, I mean, Utah was named after the Utes who lived there. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, like a lot of place names but in as far North as America, they, it was named after, it was it was taken after the place names that already existed before white people got there. But as far as why they didn't there. go with Deseret, I don't know. Okay. So desert can also mean to leave someone or something behind. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, deserting. The whole town has been deserted. Yeah, or like, you know, if you leave the military or you go like AWOL, which just means absent without leave. I hear people use that to mean like, gone batshit a lot of times oh, people yeah, use yeah. like a wall as in like oh no a- ape shit i think people confuse it with ape shit somehow i i've i've confused that and so like sometimes people will be like he went crazy he was a wall but really all that means is absent without leave it means you okay. deserted the military interesting thank you um <laughs> but the other dessert has two s's and that's the stuff you eat after dinner to fulfill your sweet tooth like, uh, time for some fucking dessert, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Cakes. Yeah. And, uh, but according to the OED, dessert initially referred to specifically fruits and sweetmeats. Oh, okay. And then was later adapted to an American understanding, which yeah. is caught on. Sweetmeats have really gone too. out of fashion. Like, I have they're no not idea really... what sweetmeats are. I actually have sweetmeats question mark, and I was hoping you would know. So, like, I mean, it's just like the idea of. So, I I try to do this to a certain degree. I try to because I don't really eat dessert uh, when I'm making like homemade food and stuff like that. Not that I disagree with desserts, and not that I'm watching my calorie intake. It's just I try to incorporate most of the tastes in whatever i'm making so like when i'm especially like squash based dishes it's really easy to get your sweetness from that too and feel totally satisfied by okay, an overall savory meal what a sweet meat is um so i have a very limited understanding of what a sweet meat is i've just heard lots of historical references is it to actually them. a meat sweetened or is it a fruit so fashioned it, as a meat or it's it's well it's well is yeah it, not, it is meat sweetened. yeah it is meat sweetened so it would be like the idea of like consuming meat where the primary spices and stuff like that are not only savory but actually a lot of a lot of sweetness to it okay like and sugared bacon yeah yeah like candy bacon is, a, is definitely a sweet sugared meat. Bacon. that's like the only sweet so meat i can think of that's commonly consumed in america would be candied bacon but like a lot of hams and stuff like that would be um sweetened with like currants okay which I, are just like you know it's currants we don't grow that much over here but it would be like imagine like a you know raisins and stuff like that okay. so if you're mixing like dried fruit in with your meat a lot of pemmican which is like a survival type of meat um is uh sweetened with dried is pemmican fruits. the name of a meat or the name of animal it comes from pemmican is the name of a way of preparing <laughs> We're just going meat. down the rabbit hole on this uh, pemmican is fine way of drying out meat it's basically like um finely shredded jerky mixed with lard to help keep it um water tight and then oftentimes sweetened with uh dried berries okay cool yeah so those are the four types of dessert uh let's talk about the difference between burglary theft robbery larceny and embezzlement oh i like this one yeah (laughs) yeah so theft is just taking something you don't own right like stealing a bike robbery on the other hand is theft with with force Okay, yeah. So, like, purse snatching or pushing someone off the bike that you then steal. Or threatening someone with violence unless they give you something. Mm -hmm. 
And armed robbery is robbery with the threat of armed force, like pointing a gun at gun somebody. at somebody or a knife. Yeah, yeah, like mugging someone with a with a with the intention that you will do violence to them. Yeah, and it's armed if you have an armed weapon, right? Like, like a, a, a knife or right? Like it could be armed yeah. robbery with just a knife. It doesn't have so. to be a gun. I think I, because if you arming yourself, yeah, like an armory. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they just had knives, right? Yeah, in, in swords and maces follows. And, yeah. So burglary is trespass with the intent to commit a crime. Right. Where you actually, it's like B and E. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. breaking and entering. Like if you if you go into someone's house and break in there and then take stuff from it, it's not only theft; it's burglary. Yeah. 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 Or, but you don't even have to actually take something. You can just have the intent to take something. Oh. And be convicted of burglary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like if you're caught in the act, that's still mm-hmm. burglary. Yeah. And larceny is basically aspirating someone's stuff which i didn't know what aspirating was but um it means carrying away or illegally moving someone's property so like embezzlement is a form of larceny if you're embezzling that's the that's the charge that's like the legal definition yeah, like if, yeah. you, if we'll, you get charged we'll get, with embezzlement i think it's it's uh, larceny. We'll, get, we'll get to that we'll get to embezzlement but from 1768 the oed has a has an example of one of the earlier for, like examples of larceny, and it was in Common Law's English in, from 1768, and it says, A bare removal from the place in which he found the goods, though the thief did not quite make off with them, is a sufficient aspiration, which is integral to the definition of larceny. Okay. But it's mostly an antiquated term. Because in most jurisdictions, the things larceny were termed for have been chopped up and placed into either theft, robbery, or burglary. Okay. I often hear, like, white-collar criminals being charged with grand larceny. Yeah, grand larceny is larceny of over a certain amount. Okay. So, like, for example, in New York, it's anything over worth... Over worth... Worth (laughs) over $1,000. But on average, where larceny is still a thing, it's over around $400. Okay. Yeah. Because so I like, think over $100 is a felony in most states. Over $400 of this particular thing is grand larceny. Yeah. Interesting. And it's specifically taking it from, uh, taking it and moving it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's get on to fraud. Fraud is deliberate deception to secure unfair or unlawful gain or to deprive a victim of a legal right. Like, like uh, I actually saw a good example of fraud when I was growing up. Um, in the morning, after a particularly windy day, I saw one of the neighbor's kids whose farm I was working on. He was up there tearing shingles off their roof. And pretty soon after that, they filed an insurance claim <laughs> that the wind had removed the shingles and they got help from the insurance company to oh, yeah. get insurance new roofing. Fraud. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who they were. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, so yeah, let's embezzlement. When you embezzle something, you intentionally use funds or assets in a way that are inconsistent with the way you're trusted to use them. Okay. So maybe, okay. So some embezzlement can be a form of larceny. Like if you're embezzling funds and putting them into your private account, if you're moving someone else's, well, I think larceny is actually a physical moving of something. Okay, so and you then, have to physically move it. Like a wire transfer doesn't count as larceny necessarily yeah. because you're not physically moving something, somebody else's property to a place where it doesn't belong. Yeah, yeah. And you don't actually have to specifically 
take the reward of someone else's money in order to be charged with embezzling. You just have to misappropriate the funds in a way that is inconsistent with. Oh, right. Of course. Because like, let's say if you take, if you take your employee's pension fund and put that somewhere else in the company to make it look as though you're doing better than you are basically cooking Mm -hmm. the books. That's embezzlement. And you're not using the money for personal gain. You're actually using it to, to, to make your company look better, but that money doesn't belong where you put it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's also um, embezzling has to do with funds that you were funds or assets that you're trusted with. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so they're not your. It's not your money, but you're actually trusted either contractually or just by the by the fact that you work how you do. You intentionally mishandled your responsibilities. Yes. Yeah. So that's embezzlement. And that's the difference between burglary, theft, robbery, larceny, and embezzlement. Cool. All right. So. Let's talk about the difference between EG and IE. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. This one, I actually interchangeably use these all the time, so I'm yeah, interested me to too. know. I always have, and I just like noted it. But So EG is Latin for example gratia, which means for example. So EG means for example, and IE is Latin for id este, which means that is in Latin. Oh, so like it's IE more, is a further explanation. Yeah. Like IE like is IE, like. IE, like in English, is best translated to in other words. Right, exactly. Okay. So Whereas EG is like, here's an example of this. Yeah, EG is an example and IE is in other words. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the difference between nocturnal, diurnal, crepuscular, and cathemeral life cycles Ooh, i think i only know the definition of the first two of those yeah so nocturnal animals are most active during the night and diurnal animals are most active during the day right but crepuscular animals they're most active during twilight which oh, is dawn or dusk okay but it's kind of cool not uh some like crepuscular... the dragons in that uh matthew mcconaughey movie <laughs> okay. okay i don't know i don't know I don't oh, know shit, I don't movie. think Matthew McConaughey was in that. <laughs> talking about Dragonheart? Uh, it was the one where that guy, like, jumps off of that, that building to, like, chop a dragon in with an axe. Don't know. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some crepuscular animals or insects can be active during overcast conditions or on a well-moonlit night. Okay. Also. So, so it's yeah. crepuscular? Crepuscular, crepuscular, yeah. Crepuscular. My my rabbits are crepuscular. They're most active, active. Uh, like right now when they're making lots of noise, and in the morning they mm-hmm. do a lot of like running around and stuff because yeah. their eyes aren't perfectly adapted for the night, but they want to get away from like predators like birds, which are diurnal, and so they they go There's during actually, the yeah, twilight. And a lot areas, of insects areas. are crepuscular too. Okay, it's a way to avoid predators mostly, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, cathemeral. Basically, it's a lifestyle that doesn't fit any of these boxes, man. Like Wikipedia says, many animals do not fit the traditional definitions of being strictly nocturnal, diurnal, or crepuscular, often by factors that include the availability of food, predation pressure, and variability ambient temperature. As a result, many species, particularly among primates, may be classified as cathemeral. Okay, because I was going to say a prime example of that is humans. Exactly. Based like, on opportunities yeah, and lifestyle. We just and do... Then, like, I imagine that applies to certain animals based on the season, like in temperate regions. Exactly. They might actually. Yeah, that was actually mentioned on the page. Okay, yeah, yeah, they might actually change their lifestyle depending on the season. Mm -hmm. 
and what's available during each season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got for as far as distinctions for the day. Nice. Did you think of any since last time? Oh no, I haven't been thinking too much. Oh about wait, it. no, I do have one more. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say that's it for this episode, but no, we got the difference between rust, patina, and tarnish. Or oh, the distinctions okay. between them. Rust, patina, and tarnish. Okay, yeah. So uh, rust is an iron oxide, usually red in color, which forms when iron and oxygen interact in the presence of water or air moisture. Right. So other metals, when they when they get uh, accumulate corrosion, it's not rust. It's Only not rust. Only iron yeah, accumulates rust. It. And uh, given enough time when exposed to oxygen and water, any amount of iron will rust and disintegrate. Right. Oh, so, like, yeah, if you have a full bar of iron, over enough time, if it's given access to oxygen and water, that whole bar will rust out. Rust through. An interesting thing that they discovered about iron way back in the day is they assumed for a long time before chemistry became uh, a big thing that um, when iron rusted, it actually lost mass. They for, lost, thought for a long time that it was losing something integral. But huh. then, obviously, as, as scientific instruments became more fine-tuned, they, they discovered that it actually accumulates mass because it's accumulating oxygen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a redux process. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah, re... Uh, Maybe oh, shoot, dude, chemistry. Anyway, <laughs> what's, let's forget I said that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, because it's flaky and porous, rust doesn't protect the iron underneath it, and that's why it'll continue to Continue to rust through the entire rust sample. through the entire sample, which is different from patina. So patina is a thin protective layer that forms because of oxidization or other chemical processes on copper, bronze, and other similar materials. Okay, I love that because that's actually the whole reason why cold, cold the cold fusion of metals doesn't happen in an atmosphere. So like if in a vacuum, if you were to produce two samples of a metal in vacuum and they never encountered um, atmospheric corrosion, and then like let's say we have two two blocks of iron that have never encountered atmospheric corrosion at all, and you stuck them together, they would become a single block of iron without any more like mechanical or chemical adhesion. Really, um, and that's because iron, like that's because metals by definition share electrons across the entire sample, mm. and so if there's no patina on them, they can share electrons easily across the sample. And so, like in space, uh, in the vacuum, cold fusion can actually be a big problem with certain objects. If the patina wears off of something, yeah. um, then they can cold fuse. And so, like that's why hinges and all sorts of things in space are not the best idea. Because uh, if as they grade against each other, there's no more atmosphere to form a new patina, and they can cold fuse. Okay, that's pretty cool, right? That's actually really cool. They just wouldn't work because they'd be stuck together. They would just get stuck closed. The the hinges would fuse into a single block of metal. Okay, yeah. So uh, also some rocks patina, some wooden furniture will patina, and which some... I imagine is good for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Overall, yeah. it's a protective. Thing. It helps. Yeah, it helps it's keep just it from like corroding a thin further. Layer, and honestly, sometimes it looks really cool, right? Like. The green patina of copper looks just looks pretty cool when it, especially when it's uh, total. Right when it's uniform across when it's it. Uniform, yeah. yeah. Like all of us know, the Statue of Liberty is being green. Like I think if we were to get rid of the patina and go back to its original copper, which is what it originally looked it just like, would look it would look unfamiliar. Yeah, and gaudy kind of like if look, we yeah, we're very used gaudy. to a gold or a, a green Statue of Liberty. So yeah, uh, some rocks do it, some wooden furniture will do it, 
And some people really into leather will use patina to describe the aging process of high-end leathers. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but patina is actually a type of tarnish, and that's the difference between tarnish and rust, is that tarnish only affects the top few layers and subsequently seals off and protects the underlying material. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, again, like the Statue of Liberty, it's tarnished throughout the entire thing. But that protects it. Protects, yeah, further corrosion. Yeah. And we don't like tarnish on silverware, but, like, it honestly is protecting it, actually, from further corrosion. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, got anything else you want to distinguish between? Ooh, no. I'll have to actually think about this and write things down as uh, as they come to me for the third installment. It probably won't happen as soon as this one did. But uh, think about it, do uh, but that is it for this episode. Dexplanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. If you want to support this show, go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations. A listener got a hold of me on Instagram and told me that they liked the show, that it was the perfect thing to listen to while doing the dishes, and that there was a typo in the Uncanny Valley title. <laughs> Thank you so much, BK Basics. I actually would have never catched that on my own. I listen to your podcast, too. It's called Pop the Question, and it's really good. That's Pop, comma, the question. And is it, it's about, uh, like, uh, pop pop culture. Pop culture like, mixed with, like, sci- like uh, science and academia. Okay. Yeah. Also, thanks to Damp, like, Damp, with uh, three M's or something, for their <laughs> rating and review on iTunes. Rating and reviews are extremely helpful for growing podcast viewership. Not to mention that I really appreciate what you said about the show. I'm pretty sure which party it was where I met you, but I'm not sure exactly which person you are that I met there. But anyway, thanks again. So yeah, likely I got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or you want to clarify something we went over, hit me up at DexplanationsPodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. Or talk about it on the subreddit. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. You are the only thing that's making this show grow, so please tell somebody to subscribe. Thanks. Oh, and as for you, you hold yourself well and have a good presence wherever you go. Bye now. (laughs) 